You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. The thing about a Mustang is they will change your life in some way. So if you're looking to kind of deepen your experience with horses and learning about connection and going up a level and learning about horses just in general, their Mustangs are amazing teachers and they also uh, teach us a lot about ourselves. So if you want to have experiences that help you be better, then, you know, Mustangs are an amazing way to go. Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Julia Boutenhouse, and this week's episode is with five-star eventer and Mustang trainer, Elisa Wallace. Elisa knows more than a thing or two about the American Mustang, but it wasn't always that way. During a year when her top-level horses were injured, she used the time to check off a bucket list item, to train a Mustang. A friend of hers signed her up for a Mustang makeover competition, and Elisa thought it would be a good opportunity to demonstrate her skills and promote herself as a trainer. Well, at the end of that makeover competition, Elisa had fallen in love with her Mustang, Fledge, and had caught the Mustang bug. Fast forward to present day, Elisa is a Mustang expert, the proud owner of five Mustangs, and she plans to add one more to the family to compete in the 2024 Mustang Classic. But the average person doesn't know much about the American Mustang. How do you buy or adopt one? Where do they come from? How do you train them? What disciplines are they good for? In this episode, Elisa answers all of those questions and more, and she shares her personal experience with Mustangs. Before we get into the podcast with Elisa, I'd like to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, the Mustang Classic, and share their message. Coming to Rolex Stadium at the Kentucky Horse Park in September 2024, the Mustang Classic. Mustangs will compete for a $125,000 total purse, with $50,000 going to the champion. The first-of-its-kind English discipline competition will involve dressage, show jumping, arena cross-country, and working equitation. Come compete. Adopt or purchase your Mustang by June 1st, 2024. Or join us in September as we celebrate American Mustangs in Rolex Stadium. For more information, go to mustangclassic2024.com. Now, enjoy the episode with Elisa. So I have inventor and Mustang trainer Elisa Wallace with me today. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't think of a better person to talk to about Mustangs because you are very well known as a Mustang trainer. And with the 2024 Mustang Classic ahead of us and your plans to participate in it, I was wondering if I could ask you some questions about your experience with Mustangs. Oh, for sure. So just to get started, I am so curious how you even got involved with Mustangs to begin with. Like what drew you to them? So uh, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, a really good friend of mine 
I had followed her and she had been training Mustangs and was doing the Mustang makeover competitions. And I thought it was really fun to kind of watch the transformation process uh, with the horses. And um, it was a year when uh, my top level event horses were injured and I only had some young horses. So it was kind of slow and always on the bucket list to train a Mustang. And it just so happened that my friend, Rebecca Bowman, that um, she was like, hey, so uh, I sent you the application. There's a South Carolina makeover. And I kind of like signed you up basically for it. (laughs) And um, so that's kind of like how I decided to do my first makeover. And I thought, you know, that would be perfect to really display my training skills and kind of help me promote myself as a trainer. And, you know, again, it was on the bucket list. So all, all those things. And, uh, that would have been with Fledge, who is my first Mustang. And, um, you know, my, I was not planning on keeping him. I mean, I'm a three day eventer. What am I going to do with a 13, three hand Mustang? Um, (laughs) right. So, but then about 30 days in, the thought of him leaving me like brought me to tears. So right. I kind of decided I was going to keep him. And, um, you know, that little horse has done so much for, I've, I've done so many things thanks to Fledge. Um, and just, he's actually helped me in turn be, get uh, my upper level, my Johnny, the Simply Priceless horse, who I did, ended up doing five, five stars. And the, the owner's, you know, knew me because of how, when I rode Fledge. And so he's, he's just really kind of getting into the Mustangs has, uh, made me a little different in some ways, but they have really expanded and opened my horizons. And I always think it's really important to learn through different disciplines and kind of like pushing myself outside of my box. And it's been really great having the Mustangs because they do a good job of, you know, grounding us a little bit. And, uh, Hmm. and that's what I really like about doing them. But, but yeah, I was kind of rambling on, but that's how I got into doing the Mustangs. And then they're basically very addictive. So I couldn't just do (laughs) one. (laughs) I like horses aren't addictive enough. And then you get a Mustang in your life and it gets even worse. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Could you speak to the process of adopting a Mustang a little bit? What does that look like? So there's kind of, it can look at several ways um, in acquiring one. So kind of like these competitions that we have now, um, the makeover competitions, it's kind of um, the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management's, Management's ways of bridging the gap from having a wild horse to then having a horse that's, you know, trained like a, a green horse by the end of 120 days. So the public can be a little bit more ready for that than just taking home a wild horse. So those are a uh, trainer instead of programs where, you know, the competitions have prize money and stuff, but then we're able to train the Mustang and then they go to the competition and the public is then at the end of the competition can do um, a bidding process on those horses and acquire them that way. Uh, Then the BLM also has what's called internet adoptions where you can just go and pick out 
uh, Mustang that they have posted and it goes through an auction process and you can adopt a horse and it's wild. So then you're responsible for having um, the proper facilities. So that would require a six foot paneling um, because they can jump six foot Um, (laughs) and um, so in the proper size. So either a round pin or and then depending on where you live, some of the requirements are different. So for instance, for Florida, um, you don't have to have a shelter. You just have to have trees and um, so proper shade and um, six foot fencing, proper fencing made out of pipe or wood. And um, then the kind of the last way is through, well, satellite adoptions where BLM again will be sending some horses to um, certain places around the United States and you can go and you can adopt a horse for $125 and, um, pick up your horse that way. But then again, you're still responsible for training that horse. And so that's where it's kind of interesting with the makeover program. And then also they have the trainer incentive program where you can have a trainer, pick out a horse and do your basic halter, trailer loading, picking up all four feet. And um, the trainer gets an incentive from the BLM. And then you have a horse that's kind of ready to start under saddle. So, you know, there's those ways to kind of try to bridge the gap. Um, And I think, and I really like the idea of the competition that they're doing this year for the new English competition, the Mustang Classic. um, Mm -hmm. Because... It's a longer based competition, and I think that's really great um, to have that time to bring those horses along. And um, so I think that's going to be very exciting. So So which route have you gone in the past or would you typically go to acquire a Mustang? Oh, I think I've done all the above. Oh, so, interesting. Right. So, you know, um, because the makeovers are every horse that that competes in a makeover has to be run through the public the public has to have a chance to bid on it so um i had to win a couple of my horses back um after the competition so fledge i bid on in one and then when i did as well and then also uh my other horse rune that I had for the Mustang million, we had the auction in the beginning. So I got him kind of in the beginning, but I did those that way. Um, I've gotten several off of the internet adoptions as well. And then I've also picked up some from the, some of the facilities. So (laughs) yeah, I've kind of like done all the above. And when you do that, how do you pick your Mustang? You know, it can be tough because it's kind of like a magic ball thing. Um, And it is always really interesting, you know, for instance, like the makeover for the magic, we, you have to go through and kind of all the trainers are picking their horses and everybody picks differently. Um, So uh, for me, I always look for an uphill type horse with a longer neck. Of course, I want to have the legs put on correctly because, you know, looking for all the soundness type things. Um... And it can be very difficult, though, sometimes in because when you go to the facilities or some of the satellites, like 
the horses can only like walk. So it's kind of based on your gut feeling. Um, and, and really being able to read confirmation and kind of, uh, envisioning what those horses can do. So it's very, it's very interesting, but kind of also a a good tool is learning about some of the HMAs or the herd management areas and kind of like the types of horses that are coming off. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some of those HMAs are like really close. So like, say for instance, if you have a, um, Adobe town in a, uh, divide basin, they're, they're all kind of like intermingling. So they're close, but still like having an idea of those in like talking to other Mustang people. Cause that's kind of where we geek out a little bit, um, is, oh, well, my horse is from this herd management, my horse is from this. And so it's, it's interesting to see the correlations through horses. Cause you can see, um, some similarities, through some of the herds for sure. Um, Super interesting. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's, I have people ask me that all the time and, and honestly it can go just off of a gut feeling that you're drawn to a horse and you just go with it. Like for me, it's, I really enjoy, like every horse teaches me something new. So, um, you know, not every Mustang I'm going to get is going to want an event, but my goal is to kind of, I don't need to keep anymore. <laughs> I have like six <laughs> of my own. So, yeah. um, you know, really trying to train each horse to then send it on to another home to get more Mustangs out there is kind of like the goal. Right. Right. Okay. So now you have your Mustang and the next hurdle ahead of you is the gentling process, right? And that first yeah. touch. So can you speak to that a little bit? Um, yeah, so that it's a very special moment when you get that first touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit like the, uh, the addiction part too. So you have to kind of also watch that you don't get greedy so you get that first touch and you're like okay I want more but sometimes you know each horse has their own time scale and um but it's always interesting to me when that horse that's scared and it thinks it's going to die it's been through you know they're scared and you can you can kind of empathize with them and you can feel the switch and um it's really like the best, one of the best moments you get is, is that first touch. And when they start to kind of, uh, let you touch them in, in a relaxed way too, like, because there's a lot of electricity in your, in your touch. And so when you have a horse, you can have them, they can bow up to touch or they can melt to the touch. And so when you get that soft feel from then there's, yeah, there's, it's very, very much a momentous moment for the most part, what are they like when you first adopt them? Like you said, a lot of them are scared, you know, they're fight or flight animals. So, you know, getting that first touch is difficult. So how do you find that most of them, what are they like when you first adopt them? Uh, You know, I've had some that I was able to sit on them in 45 minutes. Um, Wow. And, and in a night, you know, in a very nice, comfortable way, that was when, and Rune were pretty quick, and Fledge was 
too. Um, generally, like that, my average Mustang that has a pretty nice brain on it, I can hop on it probably in three or four days, but that's kind of how I build my trust. So, um, cause what I feel like once they let me up on their back, you know, that is where they're the most vulnerable, right? Like predators getting on their back. But once they can, uh, trust you to be there, I feel like the relationship builds a lot more. Um, and like I said, that's, that's the way that I use trust. But I mean, on average, I feel like they, they're not, they're not easy. They make you work for it. And you have, just like with any barn you walk into where you have horses with degrees of difficulty, um, it'll be the same with Mustangs. Like some, they make you feel like the best trainer in the world because everything can come easy. And then other ones, they make mm. you feel like you know nothing. <laughs> right. So I've had, I've had some really amazing Mustangs and I've had some really amazingly difficult Mustangs. And, um, They've all taught me a lot for sure. Um, but yeah, for the, for the most part, they, they really want to try. And once you get the trust of that Mustang, they'll, they'll try to do anything for you. And that leads into my next question about their loyalty and that trust. Once you have that in them, do you find it different or stronger than say like your domestic, your regular domestic horse? Um, you know, I find it very similar, uh, to your event horses, right? So, and your thoroughbreds too. So thoroughbreds and Mustangs kind of correlate to each other's. They're underdogs. They're horses that have a lot of try. They have stereotypes, right? And they, they tend to have big hearts for, for you. Um, once you get it, it's just, they'll, they'll try anything for you for the most part. Like if you've done your homework and you've, put the work into that horse then they will stand next to you even if they're scared or worried you have that bond with them and and uh yeah it's a it's a pretty beautiful thing do you find that they attach to that person that they had the first touch with even stronger than say you know the next person um and again yeah so they're all a little different but my Mustangs definitely know who mama is. <laughs> um, right. For sure. Like my students say that they're like chihuahuas a little bit, but <laughs> I for sure know that. And, and that's why as you train them, like in if you're training them to rehome them, to have another person, you have to be really cognizant of that and making sure that that horse is used to other people handling them. And it's not just you the whole time. Um, because that's really important because if they can get that bond with you, then they won't trust. Like it's a big thing to get them to trust other people. And again, some, some Mustangs are really outgoing and, you know, are like, yeah, cool, whatever. Um, like my rune is pretty much like a surfer dude that way. He's like, yeah, cool. Let's go have fun. Someone ride me, someone play with me. But at the end of the day, he also, uh, he knows when I call him and <laughs> like the other day when my student fell off, he did a circle and came running right back to me like, Oh, sorry, mom. Um, but definitely that, that bond can be strong. And I, I know of a story of there was, um, a Mustang that was rehomed and she kind of jumped out and she got lost of her uh, pen and her old trainer came back and called her and she came down the woods. 
but yeah, there's some incredibly deep bonds that, you know, I, it's like, I couldn't never imagine giving up Rune or Fledge or Win or any of mine. So, so now, you know, you have your Mustang and you've done the first touch and the gentling process and, uh, you know, maybe haltering, moving four feet, picking up four feet. Where do you go from there in their training, especially if you want to do something like an English discipline with them? Um, well, so then once you get kind of the base, the basic stuff of the touching, picking up off four feet, I like to think of it as zones, like they're comfortable with their body of you touching from head to tail. Um, then I start mine bareback and getting them under saddle and, um, you know, getting them comfortable with the saddle and walk, track, canter, and establishing all of your normal things in a young horse of going forward and turning left and right and stopping. Um, and kind of how I do that is start them in the round pen and then I kind of move to a larger enclosed area. And if the horse is really good, um, I'll move outside a little faster and it also helps me as well. I've taken up to using, for instance, Fledge, because uh, he's very confident, has a very quiet energy um, and he helps me a lot with ponying them. And so I can get them a lot of experience with another Mustang and that really helps them, I think. But especially if you're kind of aiming to a competition, like once you get the horse you know, nice and relaxed and confident in those basic mannerisms it's about, then getting them on the trailer and getting them just exposed to all the things going. I, my dad lives about four miles down the road for me. So it's really great because it's nice short trips, it's not super stressful. And I'm able to take them to a little bit of a different facility, ride them in the ring. He also has like his neighbor has cows. So just getting them exposed to a lot of stuff. Um, is really great. So then my Mustangs are really nice and confident when they go to their shows. Do you find that Mustangs learn any differently than say your domesticated horse? No, if, if anything, they, they're quicker, they can be quicker. Yeah. I mean, well, you can take that hand in hand for the most part, if they're not super inundated with fear, they are very quick. Learn. They're very smart. Um, if you have one that is has a high fear, um, it can take you longer because they're not stupid. They're just you know, but it's based on fear. So like you feel like anything you do, you can't you can't cross into that learning space because they're just flight. You know, it's all flight, um, and that that can be on it's, I mean, I've had so many Mustangs and I can think of two that I've had that have been high flight and, um, but I was still able to get the horse to come around. It just took longer, um, versus then right. when you have the ones that aren't a high flight, um, they're, you know, I find that they're incredibly smart. And then sometimes because they are so smart, you have to be careful what you teach them. Um, because they'll, They'll do that. Like, I mean, I remember in training Fledge and I would teach him something and then I come out the next day and he starts offering it right away. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, buddy, slow down. <laughs> um, so they, I think they're very, very intelligent. 
And again, they're super fun to teach because when you get them there, they they just absorb it. And what do you think, this is a little bit of a loaded question, but what do you think that Mustangs are good for, you know, as far as training and riding, like the Mustang Classic is for English disciplines. Like, where do you see an environment where they can thrive with their new owners? Oh, they're they're all around. I mean, for instance, mm-hmm. the little mare that I have for the Magic, I mean, she can do, she's not going to be a high-level event horse, but she's a great she makes a great little beginner novice novice. I mean, nice little low level event horse, but then I can go take her out and she wants to chase cows and she'll mm-hmm. go on a trail ride or she'll go in the mm-hmm. dressage ring. And a lot of mine, almost all of mine are like that. They're very versatile. Um, and that's been the fun thing is that, you know, I can go and take my, my two chestnut boys, Fledge and Rune, and I can go do an eventing competition. Fledgy, is more so the dressage type. So he'll go do the dressage, but he does beginner novice too. Um, but then I can go play with cattle sorting or, you know, they, they're they very versatile. And I think that's what's really great is um, you really can do anything with them. I know they've been some amazing ones that have been doing the Tevis Cup for endurance. And, um, you know, but they tend to be stereotyped as a Western type horse. But they're really good movers and great little jumper. I mean, I had someone go, well, do they think you can jump or do you think they can jump? I was like, well, we have to have a six foot panel for a reason. <laughs> no you kidding. Know? No like, kidding. yes, like now for the advanced level of venting, it, it can be a little tougher because while they can do the height, the, the width is where sometimes it gets some of them. But for I have my little paint Mustang Y and he's He's very scopy. Like he's been schooling like the prelim level. And then my uh, Mustang mare, when she competed up to the um, preliminary level too. So they're very athletic types of horses where, again, I think that's where they can appeal to a lot of people. I mean, especially in the venting, like kind of our main, a big group of, of the riders and competitors are, in the training level and below area. So that's a big gap. Mm -hmm. And those Mustangs fit perfectly for being competitive in that group. Yeah, for sure. And what do you think of the format of the Mustang classic? If you've looked into it, it has, so the show jumping dressage, and then you have the option of either arena cross country or uh, working equitation. What do you think of that? I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, You know, I I think they were tasked with trying to make it a a field where they can have people at, you know, all all levels and make it fair to the horses. So um, I think it's nice that you're able to have a choice um, with kind of picking. And I do think it's I, I think it's important that we have the dressage round because the basic flat work is really important to have on your horses, no matter what. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I, I like that it's a little bit of a different competition, but it's, it's English and, you know, it's not just a straight up eventing competition. Um, so I think that's the really unique part that kind of sets it self apart from even your regular makeover. So 
think that's really cool. And could you share a story, a success story about one of your Mustangs that stands out in your mind? I mean, you, you like you said, you've named so many of them and you've had so many of them and still do. But if you could pick one that really stands out for you and speak to it a little bit. Oh, <laughs> no, that yeah, might be a hard one. <laughs> oh, I have so. OK, well, I'll talk about why. So Wyeth, um, I got him in 2019 for the tip challenge um, that was being held in Georgia at the time. And again, my goal was, okay, because I had done the tip challenge the year before, trained up the horse, and I sold him to a wonderful home in um, Michigan. So perfect. Great. I like training one a year and rehoming it. So I um, picked out Y, who is a paint Mustang from Green Mountain, which is uh, in Wyoming. And I actually also ended up getting another one because when I went to pick him up, he was lame. Um, and I didn't know what he was lame from. So I ended up getting another horse as well as a backup, which was Eton, which that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but I ended up getting Y and because I had saw him the day before, but he wasn't he wasn't lame then. And then the next day at pickup, he was lame which sometimes happens. So I take him home. He ended up having an abscess. So, whew, okay, no biggie. Um, really smart, coming along. And then I noticed he had, um, I thought it was, was like from the cut on the halter or something right under his jaw, but it smelled like a bad tooth. And so I was like, uh-oh. Um, and, you know, he was wild. So like while I could touch him, I really can't, it's kind of hard to get the vet work in there in the early days. So I ended up just putting him on antibiotics and, um, and also you got to get him to eat food too, because they don't know how to eat grain. So I got him anyways, I got him to do that. And he ate the antibiotics, uh, about a month later, I got him good enough to where my vet could shoot an x-ray. Well, he ended up having a fractured jaw from apparently being kicked or whichever happens And it was affecting a tooth. And so what Mm -hmm. I had found was basically a hole in his jaw that had drainage. So, okay, well, that's not great because at that time he was three and he has a fractured tooth. And so that can lead to very, a lot of complicated things. And so in talking with my vet, we just decided to kind of leave him on antibiotics, kind of go through the training process because I didn't feel like he could handle going and getting surgery done at that time because he was too too squirrely. His nickname is Squirrel. Um, so <laughs> fast forward, he stays on that medication. He goes through. He did the tip challenge. And then uh, we ended up moving down to Florida. And then when we got here, I felt like he was capable enough that he could handle being, you know, in the hospital. So I take him to UF and he goes and he has a surgery and they remove the tooth and, um, a couple of other things, but he was a very good boy because he had to have his face bandaged every day with like elastic on. And like, that's not very comfortable when you have to change the bandages and stuff. Um, and they ended up nicking like his salivary gland. So, that was really the only complication that they had, but it's completely healed now. And he just has 
his, his teeth are actually closing together where those molars were. But sometimes that gland will fill up and it puts a little bit more pressure on his face and then it'll, so he can be a little bit more worried about things. But, um, so I kind of like had to start him and restart him like several times because he would go through periods of where he was like really worried. And it was all because that pressure would put on his facial nerves and that was affect how he's reacting. And he actually has bucked me off like twice. Um, but now he's out competing at training level and he is just a good, such a good little dude. And he likes to be in his work and he still sometimes will have a squirrel moment, but, um, he, he tries really hard for me. And so I think he's, he's a really fun horse to ride around cross country and I'm excited to see how far he'll go. But, um, I think next year he'll move up a level and um, we'll just kind of see from there. But he's, he's been a fun, fun horse without, you know, with, with a story behind it. That's for sure. And what could you say to encourage people to look into getting a Mustang? The thing about a Mustang is they will change your life in some way. So, um, if you're looking to kind of deepen your experience with horses, um, and learning about connection and, and just like, like I said, like getting, going up a level and learning about horses just in general, their Mustangs are amazing teachers and they also, uh, teach us a lot about ourselves. So, yeah, I think it's if you want to have experiences that help you be better, then, you know, Mustangs are an amazing way to go. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that with me. It's really been so interesting. I really admittedly did not know much about Mustangs myself before talking to Matt last week and now you. So it's been really, really eye opening. And I appreciate you explaining all this. And I know that it will be super helpful to everyone listening, too, because, you know, like I said in the beginning, um, I feel a lot of people don't know much about Mustangs, including myself. So it's really great to get an education on it. Oh, fantastic. Well, they're they're incredible horses. And like I said, they have a lot of value. And um, I I definitely think they're worth it. And. um, Yeah, so. It's, this, this has been really fun, and any time I, I can talk about Mustangs is, is a great time. For people out there, um, you know, Facebook is a great place. There's a lot of Mustang people, a lot of Mustang groups. I know um, Mustang Classic has their group that they're trying to build. Um, and, of course, you can follow me as well, uh, Elisa Wallace venting and I try to share all the stuff too to try to spread the word about the Mustangs and there's a lot on Facebook. <laughs> the Mustang community is it's a great community of people. So it's a really fun to be a part of that. It's great because um I know I've reached out to other people when I I need help or and I've had the same for people that have reached out to me. Um and it's just it's a good group of people that that really love the Mustang and um, yeah, so it's really fun to be a part of it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Elisa Wallace 
and a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, the Mustang Classic. Learn more at mustangclassic2024.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Also, tune into our mini-sode series, The Fod Pod, where you'll hear audio lessons from our favorite Equestrian Plus clips. From short training tips to how-to videos and insider access to private clinics and lessons, learn from top experts in the dressage, hunter, show jumping, equitation, and eventing disciplines with Equestrian Plus. Watch exclusive interviews and lectures, slow motion demonstrations, and step-by-step tutorials taught by top-level pros, and explore cross-discipline topics such as groundwork, rider fitness, and stable management. When you tune into the FOD pod, listen closely for a promo code for 15% off your Equestrian Plus subscription. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. I'm Julia Boutenhouse, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman Podcast. <laughs>